Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, this is the Game Football Podcast from The Times. Today, Gareth Southgate prepares to exercise demons as England and Germany meet at Wembley. We see the two sides of the French as the world champions go crashing out and Croatia and Spain offer up a classic. This is the Game Euro 2020. And if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from. And also, for all of the great journalism we're currently delivering, even if we do say so ourselves, then of course, make sure you're subscribed to The Times and The Sunday Times. You can get it for less than a pound a day. Just go online, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to begin your free trial. So much for us to discuss today. We will look ahead to the game at Wembley, of course, but what a day of action. Joining me, Hugh Wilson Croft, for today's podcast, Matt Dickinson, Gregor Robertson, and Matt Lawton. How are you? Yeah, good, Hugh. Thanks. Very well. Yes, stay in shock. It is just ended, and wow. We saw the best of France. We saw the worst of France. The world champions, the favourites coming into Euro 2020, are out. What went wrong? Oh, where to start? I mean, you know, there were so many. I mean, France, as you say, picked completely the wrong team system. First half were woeful and had to, you know, transform themselves, um, which they did, you know, ch- change the way they were playing. But then when Rodriguez missed that penalty to go 2 0 up and the whole game swung, you thought, well, that's, you know, class will out in the end. Pogba. Proving again, you know, arguably the player of the tournament so far. In fact, not even arguably, I think he has been. Um, just been sensational. I mean, more sort of fantastic moments from him than anyone else I've seen. And, you know, the idea that France could be winning this game 3-1 with, you know, 10 minutes to go and blow it is, is you know, sensational. And Switzerland were brilliant. I mean, it wasn't just like they were clinging on and clawing and scrapping. They played superbly. I mean, Xhaka... Um, what a player, um, you know, we uh, talk about a sort of bumpy season he's had, but I mean, he was just magnificent and no, it was just an absolute joy to watch because it was a, you know, proper humdinger of a game and you saw, you know, one team outperform themselves and another, yeah, in different phases. Yeah. I mean, horrendous first half got themselves together and, and still managed to uh, get blown off course. I mean, it's, it's, 
just a great, great, great days uh, knockout football. There will be deep recriminations, though, for Didier Deschamps and his side. Matt, do you think he deserves it? Because he, he had to change the formation in many ways. He had a couple of injuries at fullback. In fact, a few injuries in the end in both fullback areas. And there wasn't much else he could do, was there? If it was the England manager, we would be probably being pretty critical of him for that tactical um, that tactical cock-up, you know, which he obviously abandoned at half-time. Deschamps has a lot of credit in the bank obviously for winning the last world cup i think to be honest and and i'm i'm slightly nicking the opinions of the the, the pundits who were on the telly to, who were on the telly you know vieira keen and and neville there was there was a lack of urgency in the team tonight there was Pogba and Kante were very quiet in the first half. They suddenly then turn turn it on, go up a couple of gears, go 3-1 up, and then I think they switched off again. As Matt said, credit to the Swiss that they were excellent tonight. But I think the the French only have themselves to blame. I felt for Mbappe. Um, I, you know, I think... Um, the fact that he will, he not only has he missed the penalty, but he hasn't scored in this tournament. I actually thought he was playing quite well. I think he was, I think he, I think he made two of their, maybe the first two French goals. I think he was very much involved in the build up. And, and there were other times when, you know, I thought he showed flashes of brilliance and, 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 and courage. Um, he obviously scored that goal earlier in the tournament, which was disallowed. I thought he looked deadly at times uh, in this tournament and yet it came to the penalty and he he just, he fluffed it, didn't he? He he looked nervous, um, you know, being the fifth penalty taker when the other team have already scored five. uh, The pressure in that situation is unimaginable and and I just really feel for him because I I think he's my favourite striker. Um, I think it's ridiculous when people talk about Harry Kane being the best striker in Europe um, when, when he's running around. He reminds me of Ronaldo at his very best. Um, uh, that that that's Brazilian Ronaldo. Um, you know, he, he, wonderful player, and I just I feel really I feel really really sorry for him tonight. There's one thing I was I was managing to bore my uh, kids as we were watching the game in the penalty shootout, and there is a stat about the, the the delay that if you take before a penalty, that you know when the referee blows the whistle, there is a stat that basically correlates to more chance of scoring. And I was pointing this out tediously to, to to my kids as we were watching and you know I was really noticeable how every player up to that point had and I would love to you know need to get the stopwatch out to be sure but I, I'm pretty sure that Mbappe took his with the least pause uh, once the whistle went he I mean you know like Matt says you know feel sorry for any guys in that position but to me he's not he's has looked he's looked angsty without the goals he's looked angsty at time I mean that left foot that left foot shot he had that he miscued yeah he's 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 looked like a player to me who's you know done some incredible runs and stuff but he's looked on edge and I thought that penalty well certainly what looked like that 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 lack of pause showed to me a player who's not quite composed on his game having said all that there was still a period in that second half when France were irresistible they were you know you saw some genuine world-class players Griezmann Mbappe Benzema you know Pogba linking up beautiful you know some of the some of the through balls from Pogba the kind of way he slides those, those balls perfectly weighted through um, and Benzema's touch you know there's some debate about whether you know it's just in- instinctive and possibly owed a little bit to good fortune but it was still remarkable in the way he adjusted his feet and flicked over so there was a period in that second half you thought you know this is this is pretty special and 
you just did not see it coming. But I, I agree. I think they did get complacent. They kind of, they just looked like they just sort of sat back again and, well, not sat off. It's not sat back. They just kind of, everything started to become a little bit more slow paced and languid and, uh, complacent. And Pogba, yeah. And Pogba for all his, for all his wondrous play and his moments of brilliance and his, his incredible goal. That's the kind of other, you know, I know it's easy to say this and it's only one moment. It's a mistake and there was a lot that happened after it, but he just sometimes does things that they look like they're more for effect than what really would benefit the team at that moment in time. He's got no Graham soon, that's honest. I know you're in danger of doing that when you say this because he's been he's been one of the best players in the tournament, if not the best player in the tournament. I'm absolutely, you know, there's no doubt about it, but he has, he has got just, I just feel that sometimes he, you always do, you should always as a professional footballer do what, affects the game and is the best for your team and it's just there's always always a little kind of fragment of his in his mind that 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 kind of slips away and he wants to do something that looks really good and you know that's why we that's why he does so many things that look look great on the pitch but sometimes it's not the best thing to be doing and that was an example of it i think it's it's just a crazy tournament it's a crazy tournament and knockout stage is proving that to us you know we've now seen i think today we equaled the number of own goals scored in this tournament is the same as has ever been scored at all of the other European championships put together. I mean, that's incredible in itself, but we've already scored more goals in this tournament than the last Euros, the total goal scored. I think the players are tired. They're jaded. I think the decision-making has been poor. I mean, there is there has been no element of rosetting it. You know, 3-1 up, 10 minutes left. I expect everyone should just be putting it into row Z every time they get it because that's how you manage yourself through the final five or six minutes. But no, teams are playing it out from the back. Goalkeepers are spraying it out to their fullbacks. You know, it's inviting pressure on teams are steaming forward at the end of the game. It, it happened in this France game, but of course it happened in the game between Spain and Croatia as well. It makes for fantastic viewing but there is definitely a missing 5% from what we would usually have seen in a European championship where the players were a little bit more rested. I'll, I'll just say that, but I don't want to make excuses for France because I still thought it was utterly disgraceful to give away a lead like that, having played how they played in that second half. But to be honest, it, it could have been you know a sliding doors moment with the missed penalty that could have put Switzerland 2-0 up from Rodriguez. I mean, that was a huge... I thought sometimes you see a penalty, you think he can't miss this. You know, he, he just can't miss this because if he does, you almost felt France a win. You know, this is the moment. And, you know, I never saw the end of the game coming. So I'm not going to criticise Switzerland in any way because I thought they were fantastic. The game ebbed and flowed. Pogba, well, Pogba was a combination of, of Raquel May, Xabi Alonso, Andrea Pirlo. And they even brought out a bit of Zinedine Zidane at the end. I mean, to be honest, he doesn't deserve much criticism either. But there was something missing from France in this competition. You know, in the last three 90 minutes, they've drawn three games. I mean, that is not the form of favourites. I'd say, yeah. I mean, I have to say, I would, you know, he has got credit in the bank, but, uh, you know, if I was sort of starting my blame list tonight um, as a French journalist, I, I would be starting with a coach. I have to say, when a team play, when you set up a team and it, the, the system so clearly failed in, in that first half and you know you've so then you've thrown your players out of kilter you've not their you know you've you've done damage to your own team I mean say they did get back they got a 3-1 up okay they redeemed themselves but I, I think Deschamps had a pretty uh, as poor a night as anyone um, from that squad It was remarkable how, how kind of easily the Swiss were knocking it around and it seemed no one was getting within five yards of them you know you're, you're right they did look like 
it was like, we'll let someone else do it. They're just a little bit unsure about who was to close down where and when. And it was just, it just looked like a, a complete disaster. But it's just the same in the Spain Croatia game, which I'm sure we'll come on to talk about. I've never seen two games ebb and flow and the, you know, the momentum swing so much, so dramatically. And to see two in one, one day, it's just been a remarkable day of football. Yeah, 14 goals in all across the two games. Yeah, pretty sensational. Matt Lawton, what do you think about the future for Deschamps? As I say, I think you've got a, you've got the, you know, he's a bit like Beckenbauer, isn't he? He's, he, he's, he, he, he's won the World Cup as a player. He's won the World Cup as a manager. I would say, I would like to think that Didier Deschamps leaves that job when he wants to leave that job. Um, it is very hard to sustain that level through tournaments. They reached the final of the last Euro. They won the World Cup and then they've gone out you know, uh, on penalties in the second round here. Um, you know, who, who remembers, you know, the, 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 that French team in, in, in 2002 crash it, you know, cr- crashing after winning two consecutive tournaments in 98 and 2000. You know, these things do happen. The best out of the night, by the way, Hugh, was, was, uh, it was a Richard, Richard Jolly tweet, which said that the Turam family have now played in more European championships than Poland. It's 5-4. Which I thought was a great stat. I thought you were going to see um, Scotland there, so I'm glad. No. You did. <laughs> no. no, we can't keep we can't keep kicking you when you're down, Gregor. Uh, it would be, be unfair. Uh, no, no, it's it, no. I, I, as I say, Deschamps. He, he's he's a national hero, isn't he? I think he he gets to decide when he goes. I'll be I, well. Put it this: I'll be staggered if if. Um, if we read that he's been fired in the next couple of days because of what happened tonight. Uh, Well, such has been the way with the game podcast through the European Championship and the deadlines, of course, at the Times newspaper. It means we've got a guest joining us uh, slightly after the start of the podcast. Henry Winter, delighted to say he's joining us, the Times chief football writer. Still reeling from that that game, France out, the favourites. What did you make of their performance? I just thought it was just an unbelievable game of football. And anyone who's interested in other sports should just sort of give up tonight because that entertainment, that... I mean, I had to disappear off for a couple of Zooms with, uh, with Kane and Southgate. And actually, to be fair to Southgate, he actually came into the Zoom with a few of us. And uh, he said, do you mind if I had the television on in the background? Because he wanted to uh, capture... But the experience of the uh, you know of the of the first game of the evening. I mean, it was just just absolutely compelling tonight. I mean, I'm fortunate that I'm I'm home alone, no kids, no spouse, just noise, cats sort of disappearing out the windows. I screamed with every penalty, with every touch, with every pass of Pogba. You know, I mean, it was just it's just one of those great nights. So uh, let's hope for more tomorrow. Do you think the French deserve criticism for, for how they played? They're the world champions. They've got such players, you know. I mean, they shouldn't deserve criticism for the way that Pogba performed when you see his performances, you know, tonight and in this this tournament and his passing and, you know, compared to, you know, how we see him often, too often, unfortunately, at Manchester United. I just think that Deschamps, I just saw call what you were saying early before you let me in and, and Deschamps, he obviously got his tactics wrong. Uh, Longley, you know, it was he was sort of struggling. He made that change at halftime. Lloris made that penalty save, but there are two sides to every story. 
and the Swiss, that resilience, you know, whether it was sending up their centre-halves to take the penalties, whether it was sort of keeping on coming back, you know, I just thought it was just one of the great European stories. It wasn't the only great game today. Spain scoring five again, second game in a row, although they did need 120 minutes to do it this time. They looked, another team that looked home and hose, 3-1 up versus Croatia before a late a storming comeback, let's be honest. It, it didn't need penalties. This one, Spain found another gear to win it 5-3 after extra time. Luis Enrique, their manager, I think just about escaped the level of criticism Deschamps going to be getting tomorrow. I was thinking at 3-1 up, he's redeemed himself. You know, will be, you know, at least reaching the quarterfinals is massive. Then I saw that and I thought, oh my God, they're going to hammer him. And now they're through. I don't know what to think about Luis Enrique, Spain. It's it, Matt Dickinson, it feels like a team with talent, but maybe lacking a direction, like fun. It's just a fun team, it seems. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it was so so haphazard, wasn't it? I mean, the, you know, starting with that 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 own goal, which you know, and you th- talk about feeling sorry for a player. I mean, you you did wonder if Simon, the goalkeeper, was ever going to be able to recover, and and yet he goes on to be one of the heroes of the night. Pulls off, you know, a couple of absolutely fantastic saves. Maratta, who is a player who you know revealed he had been getting abuse online. His family had, you know, and and to be honest, I, you know, having seen him struggle at Chelsea at times in this tournament you know I was sort of easily slipping into the idea that this guy is fragile you know he's a, he's a he, he looks like a Rolls Royce but too often you know he's he's he just seems to to fall short and yet brilliant I mean the guy bounced back um superb finish for a crucial goal I thought he showed real tenacity you know he he, he looked like a guy who had a a, a massive point to prove and, it, and he did so uh, you know again it's just it was a great story a for the action you know two teams who gave it their all but also because there were some fantastic human stories within it of you know redemption basically and sport loves the sport loves a good redemption story Gregor, you got your Morata moment. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, you know, I think he had another, did he not have another one before that chopped called, uh, chopped off or offside? You know, he, did, he was he was actually playing well. He was holding the ball up well, linking play well, dropping off at times. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he has shown quite, he's shown pretty remarkable mental strength to kind of to continue. You know, I think a lot of people would have been looking and thinking, how is he still getting picked? He's shown great, great resolve there. So, um, yeah, lovely control. And you know, one of those ones where you're kind of waiting for the ball to drop to, to hit it as well. And he caught it beautifully. And so that was a, that was a great moment. I think, you know, anyone watching that would be, couldn't help but be pleased for him. But that was another game, as I say, that just swung so, so many times. And, and Croatia, you know, scoring two goals. I think, you know, they were 3 1 down in the 85th minute and scoring two goals to come back. And you thought, <laughs> You thought they were the team in ascendancy and then Spain just found something else from somewhere. I really cannot remember another day when games have swung so wildly between <laughs> you know, the momentum swings. It's just been remarkable. I can remember such a day because I was sitting there, Hugh, and, and I was, I, was uh, I, I covered the Spain-Yugoslavia game in 2000, in Euro 2000. And I was thinking this is, this, there are echoes of, of that madness in this game. Um, as you know, I say, I only had half an eye on the game today because I was still still writing for edition. But um, uh, there were echoes of that, and that was a that was an insane game. And it was it was the Spain team that Guardiola was in it. I remember and Mendieta and uh, I think Raúl was playing. Um, and um, it was just it was just bonkers. And then, and I was actually sitting there thinking that this really does have echoes of 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 two thousand because then Spain. 
Spain then went on to play France, who 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 then who then knocked them out, and obviously went on to win the tournament. And I was thinking, oh, well, they're, and they're going to play France. They're going to play France this weekend, and how 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 wrong that proved to be. <laughs> Just quickly, I got a message halfway through this game, um, Henry, from a friend in Canada who's one of those people who's just discovering football and the European Championship is something that he's been watching closely. And he said, this Modric fella is quite good, isn't he? Why didn't you tell me about him sooner? And then I had to tell him all about how all, all the great things Luka Modric has done. He sort of said, why didn't you tell me this five years ago so I could have watched him then? And it was almost a sad moment at the end of the game to think we're not going to see Luka Modric at another Euros. Highly unlikely. He should have his own modcast. I mean, he's just superb. <laughs> I mean, we've seen it in so many games for, uh, for, for Real Madrid, obviously Spurs back in the day and for, uh, for, for Croatia. I mean, anyone who's sort of covered England, like the, the, the two mats, will remember how good he was, particularly in the second half. Uh, and as the game wore on, he took control in the semi-final against England in Russia. I mean, he was just, he's just one of those players who just loves the responsibility, who has the intelligence, who knows where the ball is, who moves around the pitch like sort of Mercury finding space. And he's just passing and just everything about him. He's an outstanding player. So uh, yeah, look, uh, it's great that uh, the Canada uh, are falling in love with uh, with Modric too. Gregor, just to underline though, how crazy this tournament is just finally on this Switzerland or Spain, Czech Republic or Denmark, Two of those four teams will be in the, in the semi-finals of Euro 2020. We didn't see that coming. No, I mean, and it, you know, to be brutally honest, when I was watching the the penalty kicks tonight, I was I was willing France to go through. I kind of you, you want to you still want to see the heavyweight nations and the best players, there's many of them progressing. Uh, so you so you get those clashes in the, in the later stages of the tournament and. You know, so but, but Switzerland deserve an enormous credit, and there's you know we've seen this consecutive nights now we've seen Austria Switzerland Czech Republic these 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 nations have kind of grown into the tournament and been very well coached and frustrated but had just had that quality as well they've had had the, had the quality when they needed it um, so deserve great credit but it's uh, it, you know I know you, you guys don't want to speak about it and I'm sure we'll come to it but England <laughs> I think <laughs> I mean it's never you're never going to get a chance like it are you? Should we start singing the song now? <laughs> <laughs> no, you make a serious, semi-serious point there, Gregor, because the fact of the matter is you, you watch that and you watch the way Croatia played against Spain tonight and then you think, well, England beat this lot. And then you see the Czechs progress and you think, well, England beat them as well. And it, and it's, it's um, yeah, there is, uh, there is a, a sense of optimism that it creates. Having said that, I, Matt and I were talking earlier and I, I, I've predicted after today, I predicted nil-nil, Going to penalties, England, Germany. Cause I just think, I just think we can't keep this goal fest going. But um, we'll see. Given that England have only scored two uh, two goals so far, the idea that we're going to get fourteen tomorrow seems slightly unrealistic. <laughs> well, we'll talk about the massive game at Wembley next on the Game Podcast. But remember, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. Now, all England fans remember their first heartbreak against Germany. When was yours? That's the question. 1970, 1990, 96 or 2010? Matt? Uh, mine was actually Maradona, but that's another story. Um, but no, <laughs> um, my, 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 I guess 1990 was pretty, uh, was up there. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, uh, that was my 
that was my uh, introduction to it, I suppose. If we're talking Germany, uh, I have to go back to 1990, and it was a strange day. I had a huge dilemma because I had tickets for the Rolling Stones at Wembley and on the day of the semi-final, and my mate and I decided to take a radio but go to the concert, and a lot of people did the same thing. So I was actually stood on the Wembley turf as the England-Germany game was happening, and... um and when Lineker scored, the place absolutely erupted. Uh, and, uh, and I think Mick Jagger thought it was for him and it really wasn't. And, and then when, when England lost on penalties, it ruined the entire concert. And there were 80,000 people that really couldn't give, <laughs> couldn't give a toss that the Rolling Stones were playing. What they wanted to do was go home. Could have told you no satisfaction out of that, mate. But absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but no, so it was a very, very surreal experience that game. And, and, um, and, and yeah, and then, uh, caught the highlights when I got home that night. It represents an opportunity for a whole new generation to either feel the same as we did with the heartbreak or, of course, a chance of glorious redemption, especially for the manager, Gareth Southgate, because, of course, he missed that decisive penalty at Euro 96. And Henry, I think it's time that the narrative changed. Do you think England are favourites? No, I don't think they're the favourites against Germany. And it's, it's interesting, actually, and this is a piece I've written tonight. The, everyone's focusing on Euro 96, but I have slight concerns about uh, Kevin Keegan, England, Wembley, 2000, the last game there, where he decided to play Southgate in midfield. And Southgate tonight, for, from the sort of you know the, all, all the sort of the signals and the very discreet signals, and the England camp, you know, it's a pretty tight camp. It doesn't leak that much, but if the sort of the the, the runes are being read correctly, it's he's going with a back three of okay, Maguire, um, Walker, and Stones. They were always going to start, but they're now going to start as in the back three with probably Trippier and Shaw wide. And his only real decision, I think, is between Foden and Saka uh, alongside Kane, Foden or Saka, um, alongside Kane or Sterling, unless he takes a gamble on Mount. Mount's travelled down tonight, obviously separate. What time are we? Uh, yeah, he sh- in 23 minutes, he'll be able to go out for a bit of floodlit training uh, after his sort of the, the self-isolation. So look, this is a really serious stuff. You know, we can joke about all the sort of, you know, the, the games we've seen in the past and that the amazing football we've seen tonight, because we don't, you know, we don't have a dog in the race, but this is, this is the serious stuff. This is where Southgate's life, let alone his career will be defined by decisions like this, by picking a back three by personally, and this is the take hard you know, I've, I've taken on it is actually, it's, it's a sign of over respect to Germany by go, by matching them almost with a three, four, three by his fear of Goosens and, and Kimmich out wide by wanting to have th- those, you know, to have Trippier, particularly Trippier. I can understand the sort of set piece element with grilled Southgate enough on that because of England's problems with, with, uh, with, with set taking set pieces, uh, particularly if mounts are doubt, but it's a gamble. If he does go with a back three, it is, a, it is a big gamble because England have looked pretty tight defensively with a back four. He'll get the endorsement of Jose Mourinho in the Times tomorrow. I mean, he would say it's, you know, you're doing it because precisely because it's not a gamble. I mean, I'm not sure I would, uh, you know, we were asked to pick teams the other day and I went with uh, a 4-2-1-3. I wanted to be bold. I wanted to go for it. But yeah, Mourinho does a very 
you know, typically detailed analytical technical study of 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 what they should do tomorrow in in uh, in the times and yeah i mean he says it's simple as this gozens and kimmich are germany's threat that if you try and get the wingers on them you're just basically neutering your own you're you're neutering your own wide men he talked about the switches in play he talked about the way that if also if you try and get your fullbacks onto them that you're basically stretching a four man defense and the way that Germany's three strikers all like to come inside. You're going to suddenly have huge overload through the middle of the pitch. So yeah, I mean, he went through, you know, and and it was a you know a very good, as you'd expect from him, technical detail study. But he he was yeah. I mean, he said, look, you know, Gareth's got to go with a system he believes in, and that more than anything, the players feel robust and confident in. But he he said that ultimately you know it's not a negative move to do it because ultimately neuters germany's great strength and you've still got enough strengths of your own to to, to play off how is he on uh, england's left wing back <laughs> uh luke shaw gets i could i could yeah there might be one version on the record and another version uh, off it but he, he luke shaw luke shaw gets shall we say uh a complimentary mention. He's uh, Jose's not going to war with him. He's actually uh, he's polite, shall we say? Do, do you know? So just on Luke Shaw. Sorry, inter- interrupting you. On Luke Shaw, there's actually right on both sides. First, it's about man management, and anyone who knows Luke Shaw knows that he is he doesn't respond if you shout at him. He responds if you put the arm around the shoulder, as Michael Carrick and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer have done. But Mourinho is is right, was right, certainly at United, to challenge him. Maybe it was a bit too vocally, you can argue about the sort of, you know, the, the noise element. But I think he, he, he was right slightly to, to, to challenge him. And I think he's also right on the, uh, the, the corners. I don't think, I mean, this was a point we put to Shaw. I mean, Shaw took four corners. Obviously, he was parachuted into taking the Shaw, uh, the corners after Mount, who had been taking them in training and in games, was suddenly sort of ruled out. And then Foden, because he was on a yellow card and he didn't want to risk him, was, um, wasn't able to sort of uh, take them. The two of them had been taking them in training. So, but, but Shaw's corners weren't good enough. So uh, I, I think there's right on both sides. But it was very interesting. Just final thing on Luke Shaw, because I was sitting like a couple of yards away from him. He didn't want to leave the subject. This wasn't just sort of journalists sort of, you know, saying this for a headline. He kept returning to it. So it was obviously something that was bugging him. He wanted to get it out in the open. And, you know, I mean, Mourinho's got every right to have a go back, although it sounds like he's been a little bit. Well, he did. I mean, I think he was. He was just saying, look, basically the guys, you know, the guys corners where he he wouldn't have him on corners. He said, look, the guys, the guys, you know, defensively, he's got the speed to be your, you know, uh, withdrawn marker at set pieces. You know, he's not, not. Not known for as a as a set piece kicker, mm. so yeah, keep him on the halfway line and um, where he's more useful. We're on dangerous ground, gentlemen. If we're back on the corners again, you know, we, <laughs> we we're not there once again, are we? I don't know. I don't know. I hope not. Anyway, um, I, I do want to ask about the system, though, Matt Lawton. Whether you think the the three at the back is a better way to approach the game against Germany, or whether you'd stick with the four. I think my concern with it, Hugh, is just chopping and changing. And, and you know, like Henry, Henry touched on it just now, and, and this is partly a reflection on us quite not knowing what he's doing yet, uh, despite our best efforts to find out. But, you know, there, there does seem to be a decision to be made between Saka and Foden. And, yeah, we heard a couple of days ago that he'd started playing a back three in training. My, my, my worry is that, and, and obviously, you know, the COVID situation forced the change before the last game. But I just I just worry that there needs to be some consistency here and there needs to be some momentum building here. And personally, I would rather he sort of try to try to 
sort of keep things as, as similar to the way as they have been as possible. I think it's working. I think Stones uh, with Maguire now having got a game under his belt, I think I just think that is working. It worked. It worked in the World Cup. I would stick with those guys. You go around the houses in terms of talking tactics here. And Matt, obviously, on behalf of Josie, made some seriously coherent points about the way Germany is set up. But you can also look at another way in that they don't really have a out-and-out striker on the pitch. In England, they'll have three centre-halves on the pitch. You can still be overrunning midfield if you're playing back, playing a back three. It's about you know having relationships in the pitch, and I kind of tend to agree with with uh, with Matt Lawton that they've looked very solid and they've come up against various you know Scott come against. I was just about to go down the Scotland Avenue there. It's not really quite the same <laughs> opponent, but you've come up against different systems and and you know over a period of time, I think this is a you kind of look like you'd settled on a back six plus Pickford. You know the two, two older midfielders in a back four. I think in the last game we thought that. That looks like this solid foundations. It's now, what's the formula going forward, and the, and who who are those four players in front of them to change it up? Now, I think Gareth Southgate. So you know, he's, he think, he's doing what he thinks is thinks right, but he's opened himself up for some serious criticism if it doesn't go doesn't go well. I also, worry, I mean, it's going to be interesting if Foden Foden, you know, if he does start wide right, because I've I've not liked to see him looking that he's basically putting a quite a what's been a too rigid position. You know, those first two games, and uh, you know. The system I was advocating was definitely getting him more central, getting him more involved. As, as Gregor says, getting those relationships going, getting him playing off centrally off the players, the attacking players that we know he can. And uh, you know, that, I'll certainly wince if um, I, I actually think if if he played if he plays three four three, there's a better case for Saka to be playing than Foden in that in that role. Uh, Henry, would you start Saka? Well, I'm a huge Foden fan. Um, I just think that you know the case for pace. You know, I mean, England's best performance in the last sort of three, four years was um, was in Seville when they played uh, Sterling and Rashford wide and Kane dropping off almost like a sort of 10 quarterback and unleashing them behind a very good Spanish defence with Ramos not knowing which way to look, partly because of Eric Dyer's tackle. But, but their movement was just sensational there. Uh, I just love Foden. I just think Foden has just got... A give, I mean, if I... I, I will find it difficult after Saka's performance the other day. I will find it difficult to leave him out, but I prefer him in a in a in a more orthodox four three three. I think he might get so sort of slightly stifled. Uh, I thought he worked actually quite well with uh, with Walker and particularly with uh, with Felix coming over that side. You saw you saw the way he sort of released Saka. So uh, I, I think it's difficult. I mean, look, the good thing is compared to some other tournaments, England have got a, a strength in depth, particularly in attacking options. Kane and Sterling obviously start. To me, it's a toss-up between Foden and Saka. I, I agree with 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 Dicko. It's they are completely different players. I, I just love Foden's touch, his awareness, his creativity. But then Saka just gives you that flying outlet. And maybe if you've got sort of Trippier out there, look, Trippier can deliver a good ball in, but maybe you do need Saka out there. But to be honest, it, it's I couldn't decide between either. Matt Lawton, what would you do? Was there a way of getting them both on the pitch? No, it, it, it's it's I three four three. Well, there isn't. Yeah, four four two one three. There's a way of exactly. getting them both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think Saka certainly deserves to keep his place. I think I think he put the fear of God into the checks, and and they really didn't know what how to deal with him. He he was just coming at them from all over the place, and and um, and I think he was he created the spaces for for for, for others to 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 uh, take advantage and that energy I wouldn't drop him I, I think the Germans would be really really afraid of him who would you leave out then Sterling Grealish um, crikey if you were going to get both of them on the pitch I'm afraid 
Grealish probably has to stand down again, yeah. Big call. Big call. Mm, Gregor? It is a big call. <laughs> I mean, I've said this on a, a, a few occasions now. The problem with England now and the kind of and the, the depth of your resources is that whoever plays, there will always be someone to point at in the touchline and say that he should have been playing. So there is no right answer to this. I I think I think Grealish offers something unique. I know that you know Foden does kind of too, but Grealish is just I don't think I don't think there's a stage on the planet that phases them as well, and that's slightly different too. Because no matter what you say, you say you, you thought that this this England group was slightly unburdened by the pressure and the you know the clamor the clamor for success that's been going on for so long, and I think we've seen so far that you know that's maybe not entirely true. I think Grealish doesn't give a damn. He, he'll go out there and he'll want the ball everywhere on the pitch, and he'll want to go and change the game and win the game for England. So. I think that's that's very valuable because it's just going to be hugely pressurised game. I'm just watching pictures of Gareth Southgate missing the penalty in, in 96 on the news and I'm wondering if there's maybe um, a mental element to this fixture for the England players. Do you think they're affected by the fact it's Germany at Wembley because we we just make so much out of this fixture, Matt Dickinson. Well, I think that's you know, Greg is right. There's you know they've not looked unburdened in this tournament. But if you were going to say that Gareth Southgate has done one thing to a absolutely high you know quality, high class throughout his reign, it is deal with the mental side. It's make these equip these players with a different mindset. You know, try and you know discard the baggage. Um, you know that's easy to say now. You know, at kickoff tomorrow. You know, I'm going to be feeling it <laughs> in the press box. Never mind the players. So you know, it's that. This, but this is the ultimate test of it. I wrote about the other day. I mean, he he tried to use all his experiences, including that missed penalty. He absorbed it. He he went away. You know, it was it was transformative for him. When you've ruined the summer of 50 million people, it's going to be. You know, he, he it was a heck of a thing for him to carry, and he's tried to use everything he learned from that to make it better. For you know, there's the, the story I told in the piece last week where Brian Robson comes up to him and says. You know, you're taking the sixth penalty. Comes about three seconds later. Uh, have you ever done it before? I mean, you know that kind of lack of preparation. Again, he's trying to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so these these guys, you know, they will be better prepared. They will be superbly prepared. They will have been given all of the right mental encouragement and stimulation and you know reassurance and um, and preparation that they need. But you know, there will be a point where. <laughs> Over to you guys, eleven of you, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 actually getting quite goosebumps thinking about it already. Actually, I also think though that they are actually all too young to to, to really carry any of this burden. Not, not I don't think I, I can't think there can be a single England starting player who can remember Euro '96. So I just don't see them being burdened with that. You know, even even until well, we all turn up and remind them. Well, exactly, them. exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you know, even Lampard and, and South Africa in 2010. That you know, that Saka's eight years old. You know, it's it's. Have I, have I done my maths right? It's eleven years ago. Yeah, so he's eight years old. He's not going to be thinking, "Oh no, I hope this isn't another one of those." You know, it, it's it's. I don't think it's going to affect them in the same way. They're at Wembley. You know, they, they, they've seen enough of this tournament to know that Germany can be vulnerable. Um, and and you know, the, 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 yeah, they're they're perhaps not of the vintage of of, of previous years. Uh, I, I don't. I just don't think they'll struggle with it. I think it is. I think it'll be more the people. It'd be more the supporters and the journalists who are struggling with it. That's what I was going to say next, because you know, forty-five thousand fans at Wembley Stadium, Henry. It, it bleeds onto the pitch, doesn't it? The the tension, the drama. We've seen it before. You know, they'll feel that, won't they? 
The only time Southgate got emotional tonight about the whole 96 reflections was we were asking him, do you feel you need, the country needs closure, let alone you? He says the only people he really thinks about most are his teammates. He feels, he still feels, he let Stuart Pearce and Tony Adams and Alan Shearer, he still feels he, he, you know, he let them down. He says that's not gone away. He feels that in a way, maybe he had some element of collusion with the shootout against Colombia three years ago, uh, that the country in a way, maybe there was some element of closure getting to the sort of the semifinals, but he just felt there's, there's nothing I can bring back. You know, tomorrow night, he could win it. Tonight, he could win it and England could go through and then everyone will celebrate, but he will still feel there won't be still be, there still won't be closure for him because there won't have been for those players when he walked back to the halfway line and Moller was walking the other way to put the ball past Seaman. And he will, you know, and he looked at them and they consoled him and sort of tried to console him. He still, he still carries that within, but you're just sort of echoing what the boys said, you know, the, the players have been quite funny this week coming out and, and talking about it and sort of doing the maths and going, well, I was two then. And I think Jude Bellingham was six months on the eve of Euro 2004, which just which seems like yesterday. I mean, and, and Southgate, who, who's got a great sense of humour, and someone asked him, would he be giving them a Churchillian rousing speech? We will fight them in the penalty area sort of type thing just before the uh, just before kickoff. And he said, well, I'm, I'm not sure that these players even know who Churchill is. They probably think he's a you know the insurance <laughs> dog or whatever. So I, I, I agree with the boys. It's very much from our pers- pers- perspective. But I also agree with you. You know, the songs that they will sing will have a historic, unfortunately, when they sing 10 German Bombers, will have a historic resonance. The song that they will sing will all be about Euro 96 and football's coming home. The tension there, even though they've been saying, the players have been saying, we've kept off social media, we're not even reading the Times and whatever. What? Not even the Times. Unbelievable. To, to be fair, a couple of them did list which papers they weren't going to read. And um, yeah, no, just sort of keep it, just keeping away for, from that, which I think is part. I mean, they are so, they are almost in a double bubble at St. George's Park. A, the, the, the medical protocol bubble, but also because, I mean, the guys have been to St. George's Park. It could not be further from anywhere. Um, so that, you know, they are, they are pretty, Calvin Phillips just said, it's just another game. And he will treat it as another game until Tony Cruz gets on the ball, until you know Kimmich starts running, and then he will know, and forty-five thousand people will let him know this is more than a game. You spoke there about how Gareth Southgate won't change massively. You know, he won't have that redemption because he still remembers what happened in '96. How do you think if England do fail tomorrow? How do you think that would affect him? Oh. It'll be pretty brutal. I mean, there will be a, well, ignoring social media, which is not exactly the, you know, the most natural bellwether of public opinion, but that will be pretty toxic. The uh, the reports will be toxic. I remember it's a, you know, it's a five o'clock kickoff, so we'll get a bit of a run into it, even if we're filing, you know, bang on the final whistle or penalties or whatever it is. Uh, it, it won't, it won't be nice. It will, you know, there's a lot of, look, I'm sure, you know, the two Matts know, know Gareth well. When he got the job, I sent him a text and just said, listen, good luck. I hope you do it for you and for the country and you've got good crop players, blah, blah, blah. But obviously, I've got to be critical. And I think he, he totally, you know, accepts that. But I think in a strange way that 
because he's been in the eye of the storm before, because nothing probably will be as toxic as as what he endured from the 4,000 letters he got, from the headlines, from every time he goes into a petrol station, people looking at him and saying, isn't that the one who missed the penalty? You know, he, even his mother said, why don't you belt it? You know, there's, I mean, it was, it's, it's huge. I mean, one of my relatives was sitting behind his then fiance in the, in the sort of like the players area in 96. And she said that the moment, well, first Southgate's uh, wife-to-be, Alison said, oh, my God, as she saw him walking to, to, from the halfway line. And then I think it might have been, the guys would know better than mine, but I think it was Gary and Phil's dad, Neville Neville, consoled her at the final whistle. And there was almost like a sort of protective cordon around her because they knew the you know the wave that will be coming her way and it you know and i you know it will be coming garris way if it, if it goes wrong because that is the nature of it. it is the it is the impossible it is the impossible job so look i wish him well tomorrow i wish him luck tonight i hope they do it that you know england have got the players to do it it's about the mindset and i do have slight concerns as the guys were saying about the tactics it would make it all more critical wouldn't it if it were to go wrong given that he's got the players now because in the past maybe england haven't had the squad to compete with germany but now we've got the players it's all going to come down to the manager isn't it listen let's look ahead finally to the game matt dickinson how do you think it will go well i'll say until you know being absolutely sure about those teams you know, is the first thing, and even then, you know, Henry's right. To be honest, I think I mean England have the players to to do this. Um, you know, I think Germany's form is erratic. I think if England play, you know, close to their potential, then 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 they should get through. I think that's you know re- the form of the last couple of years says that. I think looking at the re- most recent form, yeah, looking at the the, the squad and the depth we've got. Um, the options off the bench. If Gareth Southgate picks a team that performs and functions, I am confident-ish. <laughs> Gregor? Were you looking for a scoreline there, here? <laughs> no, 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 not a scoreline. Just how do you think the game will go? I think, okay. I personally think England have a problem creating chances. I think it's going to be very tight, very tense. I don't think we're going to be able to penetrate the back three. So I think it's going to be one nil either way. It's not necessarily a score prediction. I just think it's going to be a very tight game. Do you see it being any other way? Well, I think a lot will rest on the way England set up. I think we went round round the houses with this as well for a long time. If England, with the attacking players they have set up with seven largely defensively minded players, and the goalkeeper, you know, <laughs> and the goalkeeper, uh, I, I think I think I would fear for them a little bit. I think it's going to be tight, though. It's going to be tight either way. I don't think, it, if particularly if England match Germany up, I think it's going to be, as Matt said, I've probably a goal either way, and I would say England. Just. <laughs> Henry, I think it comes down to Jordan Pickford. I'm preparing myself, bracing myself for uh, for penalties. It's uh, despite having been at school in Germany, I've only know one word of German, and that's Elfmeter penalty that's the word that sort of stuck with me and I think we are going to elf meters again and I think Pickford's ability I think he's got a save in him however good and this is you know that you know the Germany players from the moment they step onto the pitch for the warm-up throughout their national anthem through every time they get the ball the England fans are going to be at them they're going to jeer them and the one thing about and I've talked to the England fans about this tonight said you know what it's going to do to the Germans it's you know Cruz is not going to go into his shell Matt Hummels is not going to be scared Manuel Neuer is not going to be scared 
they will be loving all this. It will absolutely, absolutely sort of lift them. So even though people are saying this is a poor German saying, you know, they've got Kai Havertz in there. You know, they've got, if Goretzka plays, I think he's a real threat. Nabry's a useful player with his with his movement. The, t- the two, Kimmich and Goosen's outside are good as well. I do think having looked at the stats and their top speeds, certainly Hummels and uh, Ginter, who's, who's pretty quick, but Sterling, if he's on that side of the pitch, could, can run them. Obviously, Rudiger is, is, is pretty quick. But I think that defence can be run. But I just think there's a mental resilience there. So I think it's extra time, penalties, and then Pickford. And I think he could, he'll take one of the five. I, I like his confidence in when they're being training, doing the penalties. Pickford's been taking them as well as saving them. So I do think Germany are the favourites, despite whatever the book is and whatever the headlines say. Germany should be the favourites. But I think maybe Pickford could produce... One save, maybe one kick in in the shootout that could swing it. My nerves couldn't handle that. And I'm not sure Gareth Southgate could handle that with his nerves as well. Another penalty shootout at um, the European Championship at Wembley. Matt Lawton, finally, your views looking ahead to this match. I think the key is that England move up a couple of gears. I think they need to play the way we saw flashes of them play in that first half against Croatia. I think, you know, when we talk about what Henry was talking about, inevitable criticism if they fail, I think a lot of that depends on the way England play. You know, I think if it's a great game, I think if it's if it's much like the sort of matches we saw today and it's a narrow defeat, you know, at the end of the day, the world champions have gone out because the best striker in the world, in my opinion, has, has, missed, the, has missed the fifth penalty. You know, there are fine margins in, in international tournaments, but I think they have to, they have to step up a gear. You know, we haven't really, yes, it was a good performance against the Czechs. Yes, there are things to be very positive about the fact that they've, for the first time since 1966, they've come through the group stage without conceding a goal, but they have to, we have to see that dynamic performance. We have to see that urgency. We have to see them, you know, Henry's right. The, the, the pace that England possess should actually put the German defence under a lot of pressure, but they've got to use it. You know, there's got to be that, 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 that movement, that movement of the ball from midfield to the, to the attacking players. That There can't be that kind of golf, that kind of lull that we saw against Scotland. That's what it's all about tomorrow. For me, it's about, it's about, right, this is real. This is knockout football. This is Germany. You need to actually perform tonight um, because it's it's going to require that to beat Germany. I, I'm I'm probably in Henry's camp in that I think I would put the Germans as narrow favourites, uh, despite the fact that England are at home, despite the fact they boast all this exciting talent. England have got to play really well and they've got to play much better than they've played so far this tournament. We will react to what could be a classic at Wembley between England and Germany. Who knows? It could be penalties. And there's a great analysis in the Times right now about how good the Germans are. In fact, it makes for pretty scary reading, but check it out if you get the opportunity. Matt Dickinson, Gregor Robertson, Matt Lawton. Thank you so much, Henry Winter, for being with me on the Game Podcast for the last hour or so. We'll be back in around 24 hours. But if you're enjoying all of our Euro 2020 content, then make sure you're subscribed to The Times and The Sunday Times right now. You can check it out online. Just go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to begin your free trial. We'll see you at the end of England, Germany. Germany.